Hola, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Circuit. I am Ben Beharin. Greetings, Internet. I'm Jay Goldberg. So we decided to take a approach with this episode where we're going to do multiple topics. Call it rapid fire. Jay wants to call it a semiconductor hash. And, you know, by, when he says semiconductor hash, he means like a, a breakfast hash that's got a lot of stuff in it. It's, it's a multi-layered joke. Security. <laughs> it's a multi-layered joke. Uh, so, so we're going to hit a range of topics because a lot of interesting stuff has happened over the last week that we want to talk about. Um, so let's start with a nice congratulations to our friends at ARM for what appears to be right now a successful IPO. Um, it was up 10% yesterday. It's down slightly today, this Friday, uh, September 15th, because the Mark Hole market is down, taking a terrible, terrible dump today. Um, but it's held and uh, TSMC and a range of other investors have, have bought in. Um, sounded like it was oversubscribed so that there was demand, but obviously, uh, as we talked about before, it was a low float, but congratulations to our friends there. Uh, any, any other thoughts from the IPO to day two, Jay? Yeah. So they, they came out at 50, $51 a share. So that's a, a, a decently subscribed book, but it's not massively oversubscribed. Because the range was, I think they were looking for 50 to 55. So it's a little bit on the low side, but okay. Uh, decent sized pop on the first day. Uh, and then, yeah, down today on the market, we don't really know much. But valuation is now $60 billion, which is a valuation I, th I think is too high. I said that at the beginning. IPO mechanics being what they are, you need to build in a little bit of a pop. So this is where it is. The real test will come in what? 40 days when they report their first earnings, mm -hmm. uh, 60 days, whatever it is, that'll be the first test. And then another one, 90 days after that, that's, that's how we're really going to know how well this IPO went. So it's too soon to tell. Uh, I, I wish them luck. They so far so good. And, uh, yeah, got, uh, but it's, it's like I said in my, in my book on IPOs, the IPO is the wedding. What really matters is the marriage, the long time <laughs> life of the stock. And, uh, we we're on day two of that. So. Um, so just on that though, I was going to ask you, and so now ask, get you, get, get public clarification. So, so is it, do they have to report now that they've IPO? I don't know where this falls in, in their quarter, whenever their, their actual fiscal quarter ends now that they're yeah. public, that's when they have to do a first report. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I, let me think about it. So it's the middle of September. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So the, the quarter ends in two, three weeks, and then they have probably 30 days after that. So about six weeks. Okay. Okay. Man, that'll be fun. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested to see, see how that goes. Um, excellent. All right. Good for, good for ARM. Let's jump to the other event that happened this week. Apple announced some iPhones, and as Apple always does, there are a silicon story to go along with that. And in fact, in this, and in this time... Not, not that there is not without controversy every iPhone launch around the A-series chip specs. Um, there was additional con uh, controversy uh, around this one and, and, and maybe maybe more controversy uh, around chips than I've seen. And, and I'll say that for two things. One, uh, because 
they took a lot of flack for having only a 10% uh, IPC increase. And several years ago, I forget which one, they had a 12 to 14% increase. It wasn't big. So I kind of worried that people were going to freak out over that. But obviously, we can debate how or why that's happened. Uh, they put more transistor budget to the GPU, which is a part of the story. But what I picked up on, and I, I again, I don't, I'm not going to claim to be technical enough to um, be in the weeds on this, but I saw some commentary that I thought was interesting that their non uh, or I guess lack of performance where they thought they should have where, where people externally, not Apple people externally thought they should get performance from a jump to three nanometer wasn't there. There was a question of, okay, is this TSMC three nanometer process actually any good? Um, and that I thought was interesting. Again, I'm not going to claim to have any opinion or deep knowledge of that, but I think that's worth watching, right? Did like, is this maybe not as big of a node step from TSMC than we expected is an interesting one to, to, uh, to watch. So I, I leave that there in case you have any thoughts on that controversy. Yeah. I, I think this is very much a Rorschach test of how people feel about Apple Silicon in general. People, everyone is going to interpret this latest uh, SOC in their own way. Uh, absolutely, there are people who are saying, oh, look, it's three nanometer, but it's not that big a deal. There's a lot of Intel bulls who are making that case and sort of saying the lack of a bigger jump in performance on the iPhone is because mm -hmm. TSMC three nanometer isn't all that. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, a few people made the point, I think you made this point actually, is that the performance jump isn't because of that. It's because of how they allocated the, the floor plan of the chip. They didn't boost the CPU much, but they did add significantly to the GPU and to the and to the AI accelerator, what are they called? Neural blocks. The, the NPU, right? yeah, which we'll talk yeah, about. Right, and so, I, you know, everyone's going to make of this as what they will. Um, it, it's, you know, I've, I, I don't know, I put, my, I put my order in for the Pro Max because I want all that silicon goodness plus a USB-C controller. <laughs> And everything else that's in there. I mean, it's the kitchen sink did. There's so many crazy things in there. They did. So, um, so, 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 yeah. I think you know the important part with any new piece of silicon is where do they spend transistor budget. We assumed that the node shrink from four to th to three nanometer was going to give them additional transistor budget. It did. However many we don't know, but clearly they put that toward the GPU and and the NPU where the NPU saw a gain from 17 tops to 35 tops, um, which we have no idea what all those tops are going to go to because that's an insane amount of tops. That's more tops than they have in M2 series chips across the board, including in the studio. Um, but I want to make this point because I feel like having some idea of what's coming on the horizon for the next year, but not telling you what, um, everybody's going to make a bigger deal of the NPU. And they're all going to start saying, look how many tops I have in my NPU. So I think once said vendors start doing that, it'll make a little bit more sense why Apple chose to uh, invest more. But the NPU is essential to on-device AI, which we don't know what Apple's really going to do yet. I mean, I think there's some of the imaging tech that they're doing is, it, is part being done in the neural engine. 
I, I don't think, again, that's maxing out 35 tops, not even close. Um, so we don't know, but there's a foundation there. There's headroom, let's call it that. There's, there's headroom for AI with an NPE with 35 tops that maybe over the next year or two years, they're, they're going to be able to leverage uh, in software. But I make my piece just saying, I felt the tops jump was a big deal. Was It stood out to me as, as significant. Yeah, it's a it's a big jump, and I I feel like I'm a broken record at this point. Nobody knows what anyone is going to do with any of this AI applications for consumers. We're all experimenting. I suspect Apple has something of a plan because that is a big boost. It's a lot of floor plan to go to NPUs, and they they got I mean they're smart people. They plan these things ahead, so they must have something in mind here. I've heard I've heard rumors that the you know Siri is going to be able to do some new amazing things. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, there's 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 a lot to it. Ho- hopefully, it's not just more image processing stuff. Sure. Because I th- I think we we're maxed out on that for the average consumer. No pun intended. But the like the the big fancy Pro and Pro Max phones. That's their big selling point. Is they have better optical zoom and you know automatic portrait mode and stuff like that, which is yeah, most of that is only useful if you're making a video on an iPhone, which is not most right. of us, right? So, and and I and I'd sort of thought you know thought about this too. I briefly did played with the phones and did some camera demos. Like, it's it's not that that this feature you're talking about in terms of of what's going on in the image generation, whether that's the bokeh or other parts or the video in real time. It's not a huge leap over previous silicon so i just don't think that's taking that's not churning up these 35 tops or even that two x performance in the gpu they, they did hint at something that i'm very curious about actually though relative to the gpu you know they showed that assassin's creed in its full form is coming to the iphone and you know when i saw that i thought are are and i know they've tried to do this and it's not going to happen with the mac but i wonder if they're trying to get triple a game developers to say you write a you write a a game for Xbox for PlayStation for PC, bring that to this phone because now it has whatever we're going to consider a desktop class GPU to play those games. So it's not the mobile version of these games, and it's the full game version of the game. And I wonder if I wonder if they're trying to tip in that direction, which is why they threw so much more to the GPU in terms of of performance. So that's a really interesting theory. Uh, I think you and I both know that there is a, a new wave of competition and interest in handheld gaming. So mm-hmm. not mobile gaming, but like handheld gaming. So there's a new Switch coming, right. there's a new Sony device coming. There's a lot of interest in this space right now looking at this this success of the Steam Deck. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe Apple's going to throw their, their hat in that ring again. Uh, and this time around, they're going to... That's a pretty good offering. You get full desktop performance from a, a mobile device. Cause I mean, that's essentially what the steam deck offers. And I, I right. think steam deck has proven that that category is interesting, probably not to our listeners. We're a little, no offense listeners. We're all a little bit different, slightly older demographic than the people who really like these handheld devices. But I think that's a, that's going to be a big category in the next couple of years. And so maybe Apple's yeah. trying to, I like that. It's a good theory. Yeah. And the other thing that got picked up kind of as a thread of this, when I was talking to somebody else, they, I'm completely blanking on the name. So everyone forgive me for not having this detail, but they, they added something to their developer tools 
that allowed for easier porting of desktop games to the to the Apple platform. And when people saw that, that was kind of when they said, "Oh, Apple wants you know AAA game developers to write Call of Duty and you know Halo and whatever for for the Mac." Again, that may or may or may not happen, but they released these tools that, in theory, make it easier for you to port your AAA games from console or PC to the Mac. And I wonder if, again, maybe this is playing into that in some capacity where um, those tools exist so that they can now also bring that AAA game to to mobile. So anyway, interesting interesting to watch there. Um, yeah. I, I, I do want to go back to the MPU, though, because like the big mystery for me around MPU is what are we going to use this for? And I, I've been working on this theory that I think some of the most interesting AI applications are going to come out of China because they seem mm-hmm. to be, they have a really good flywheel in place for mm-hmm. doing this. Like TikTok is, is a pretty good app. The other entity that's really good at coming up with new user interfaces and new user modes is Apple. And so I think that's, you know, as, as long as we're dealing in wild conjecture, what if Apple's the one that comes up with a really, really compelling GPT large language model use case for consumers. That, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a fun story if that happens because for year for, you know last year we've all been sort of knocking Apple or we haven't been but the press has been knocking Apple about oh you're behind in AI and what if they're the ones who actually figure out how to use it? Yeah. Um, if, yeah. If they agree. do, I'll I'll sign me up for the 16 Pro Max. Sign me up now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably going to be us anyway, Jay, regardless of, I know, I know. of, of we're going to buy it no matter what. <laughs> I know. Uh, um, so, so another thing that, that dropped Monday that was of interest was Qualcomm and Apple have entered into another uh, extension, either I guess a new agreement, but extension of their pr- uh, previous ag- agreement to supply modems, which means Apple is at a minimum three years off from doing their own modem for iPhones. Now, this was highly speculated. You and I talked about this, I mean, at least twice, at least once, if not twice, saying like, well, look, we get it's hard. We we talked about why Apple might want to do this because they want to control a key part of this experience. Obviously, they want to put it on the SOC, not leave it off the SOC, but clearly they're not ready. And this, this deal with Qualcomm uh, extends that. Now, what I'm curious about, so... Chime in on that, and then I'm going to throw this additional point. By the time 2026 comes around, we're not going to be that far off from 6G, at which point I can almost guarantee you Apple is not going to be leading in 6G. That Are they going to go back to Qualcomm then in a year or two? Because they're not going to have the, the first 6G devices. They shouldn't be left out of the first 6G devices. Qualcomm's going to have them. So all of this just continues to make me think maybe we're not going to see an Apple modem in iPhones, maybe other things, but not iPhones. So I, I lob that out there and <laughs> you can chime in. So, so first off, it was very interesting. Qualcomm put out a press release. Apple didn't say anything. And it was the most bare bones press release I've seen in a while. It was three sentences. And as anyone who's ever negotiated publicity and PR with Apple, that is not surprising. Like it's a miracle. Qualcomm could say anything, but they, had they, you know, they got to insist on it. Very bare bones. What it essentially does is ex- it's kind of confirms the agreement that was already in place, but it firms it up because the the outer years, twenty five and twenty six, had been options. I think in the original agreement, but Qualcomm had said they had they were planning on 
you know, their assumption was that they would lose the socket in 2024. Now it's confirmed that they're going to have the socket through 2026, which means the first Apple iPhone modem isn't going to be here until 2027 at the earliest, at least in the phone. And so that's that was good news for Qualcomm, although it didn't really help their stock much. It was up like 2% on the news. It, it It's important. Like, like you said, like we've been beaten up uh, a lot is doing modems is hard. Apple has struggled with it in the past. Um, it's, it's good news for Qualcomm. My hope is that by the time we get to 2027, they're just going to be done fighting. I mean, these companies have been at loggerheads since 2007 with the iPhone launch, right? Apple has deliberately gone out of its way to poke its finger in Apple and Qualcomm's eyes since 2007. Maybe, maybe by 2027, so 20 years into the iPhone, they'll finally, finally call a truce. That's, that's my hope. Like, let's just, let's just, hopefully they'll all be tired of it by then. Well, and the other part is this is just the modem agreement. They have a, a existing licensing agreement as well with Qualcomm that I believe is up in 2025. And so, so, so assuming that, you know, they've just signed this continuation of a deal to supply modems, I think they still got to re-up this license agreement also at, at some point as a part of that. Yeah, my, my assumption was that Apple thought they would have a modem by then, and then they would just go to court. I was assume, I think everyone was assuming they're just going to go back to court for the, for the license. <laughs> okay. and, but it, you're right, the press release doesn't mention the licensing. I, I, my guess is they, they don't, like Apple has no choice. What are they going to do? They're going to sue their biggest, their, their only supplier. They, can't, they right. can't do that until they have their own modem. Right. And that's why Apple switched to Qualcomm from Intel in the first place, is they had no other choice. Intel couldn't do a 5G modem. Yeah. I, I think your point about 6G is is, is spot on. I, I, one, I, I, I got to say, I'm not sure that 6G is going to be ready by 2027. But regardless, it's this is this is the Qualcomm playbook that they've been using since CDMA days, which is advance the standard. Carriers want to do that. Push the standard forward, and just at the point when your competitors are finally getting their, mm-hmm. you know, n minus one G modem ready the standard advances and all that investment is wasted and they got to like go back to Qualcomm. I mean, that, that's been their, that's been Qualcomm's model for 20 plus years. Yep. And yep. that's, that's a very likely possibility, possible scenario when we get to 2027. Yeah. That Apple's yeah. just going to have to give in. Yeah. I mean, the life of a G is around 20 years, but every 10 years, a new one begins, that cycle re-begins. Re, re and so we're yeah. going to be right on the cusp of that. And you're right, right? And that's why I say, it would be silly for Apple to go, hey, here's our modem. And, you know, oh, by the way, it may not work in China or parts of Europe, but here's here's our modem. And then 6G comes out and they're like, okay, we're going back to Qualcomm because right. we want a global modem on, you know, on right. that. So a- anyway, I, all of that to say I'm now m- more toward the 70 to 80% convinced we're not going to see an Apple modem in iPhones. Again, other things, Macs. Watches, watch, watch. Vision Pro, get it, fine, right? We're, we're but phone, but, fo- but phone, I think that's close to being a DOA. Yeah, a DOA. There, there was one other thing that stood out for me um, about that press release, and I actually somebody pointed out to me in the comments of my own blog post on it was they pointed out that the press release says modems and RF. Yeah, I don't think the original agreement explicitly covered RF, mm. and so that was that. That's 
in, that sort of is intriguing to me. I care about RF more than I should, but it's it it implies that Qualcomm is going to pick up some of the RF content in the phone, which is not great for Corvo or Skyworks. Skyworks. Yeah. Um, and and I, I've said all along, I've been saying this for years, is RF is actually the real key asset that Qualcomm you can use to hold on to Apple. Apple, yeah. maybe Apple can get a modem or maybe not, but maybe they can get a modem done, but then they have to do RF too. And if Qualcomm can get a really, really good RF system, tie it to their modem, they can deliver performance that's better than if each of those are standalone. Yeah. And right. So it's going to take another 10 years for Apple to get their RF stuff up and running. RF is important. It, it could be very strategic here. Yeah. For Qualcomm. That's a good, great ad. I hadn't seen a lot of people comment on that, but the RF pickup is a good one. Um, okay. Jumping on to the next topic, you wrote a piece, so I'll just kind of let you outline what happened instead of myself doing it, um, around the Huawei seven nanometer SMIC. I also believe there was a TSMC version, uh, in a phone. Um, I think there was some, there was some commentary that they dual sourced, but if so, that hits regulations, but we know there's a SMIC seven nanometer in a mate. P ninety, P sixty, P sixty, yeah. So give us, give us, give us what what happened okay. and, and what you wrote. So, so, so Huawei once upon a time had some of the best modems in the mobile phone business and some really good applications processors, and that was in 2018, 2019. Then they got cut off from access to TSMC by the U.S. government, and they sold off half their phone business. But they've kind of been piecing it together for a few years. And now suddenly they've come up with their own applications processor slash modem, the 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 Jilin, the Kirin 9000s, right? So right. it's it's their uh, analog anal analogous to uh, Snapdragon. Very interesting chip. Um, it has some pretty compelling design features. It's well, very well designed, but not surprising because Huawei's been able to do this. High Silicon's been able to design good chips for a long time. What was much more interesting was the fact that anybody could produce it and uh, Tech Insights, pretty reputable firm, tore it down and confirmed that this came from SMIC. And that's about all we know for for certain about this device because everybody has been speculating all over the place on what it means and how they're able to achieve it and looking at all the content in the phone and where it comes from. And it looks like a good 90% of the content of the phone, not just the motor, but everything else comes from China with a few exceptions like memory. There's a lot of rumor back and forth. I've heard, uh, I haven't heard the TSMC second source rumor. I, I really doubt that, but who knows? I've heard there's another version. I've heard there's multiple versions of the phone, but I haven't seen that confirmed. I've heard there's multiple versions of chips, some of them using chiplets, some of them using SMIC. I, what we know for certain is that there is at least one version out there that uses a SMIC uh, N plus two process, which is equivalent to seven nanometer. Now, how do we, how should we think about this? And I'd say there's a spectrum of responses here. On the one hand, there's people who say, oh, it doesn't matter. This is just a one-off from, from SMIC. It's no big deal. They can't go any further. And then at the other end of the spectrum are people who say, oh, this shows that the US sanctions are clearly ineffective. Huawei is a really capable company. They're going to engineer their way around this. Right. And so uh, uh, Dylan Patel at Semi Analysis, wrote a whole piece on it. He and Doug O'Loughlin were on Jordan Schneider's uh, China Talk podcast this week, really digging into this. Um, 
Dylan is pretty fired up about this. I, he's clearly been having offline arguments with a lot of people on this subject. He's pretty he's pretty vehement that this is a, a failure of U.S. sanctions and that this is just the beginning of, of of a big rise in China's semiconductor capabilities. And he makes some really good points. I don't think it's quite as bad as that. I think there is. It's unclear how long, how much further SMIC can really push this. I don't think that they can continue to push down. They, they're kind of stuck in lithography, but there's other ways they can kind of get around it. But it's going to get harder and harder as, I mean, Apple's already on three nanometers or two nodes ahead. Everyone else is going to be pushing this along. And so my take is that the sanctions are working as well as they can. They're always going to be loopholes, and it's you know we we the U.S. government is going to need to be more diligent about it. Um, but it also shows the lengths to which Chinese companies have to go in order to get around the sanctions. And Huawei can do it. Huawei has always been an immensely capable firm. They have incredible engineering talent. Uh, they they get dismissed as being. IP thieves and like not having any know-how, all that's nonsense. They have some really, really good engineers, but that's probably the best set of engineers they have in China, right? It's going to be harder for everyone else to get to do this, to replicate this. And so I would say that the, the sanctions are not perfect. They're working pretty well. They're forcing Chinese companies on the entity list to really stretch to get around it. And that's not something that most of the companies will be able to do. Um, and again, I'm pretty skeptical about what Huawei's roadmap will be two, three years from now. Like how, how much further can they push this? They can probably get another device in, but beyond that, I think it gets very, very challenging without access to TSMC and EUV. So what, what I took from Dylan's piece that I thought was actually interesting, you know, and, and again, however performance is measured, he, he made some points about the quality of that chip. So in this case, the SMIC seven nanometer performing closer to i want to say a, a five nanometer you know product um so something that was a node ahead and and i thought that was relevant because you know it brings up a question was that the process technology that um that led to that meaning that smic's seven nanometer process quality was the reason or was it the design so I I I leave that as an open-ended question because because we don't know, but I think it's a relevant factor for this additional point that I'm going to make, which is Intel very similarly designs products that that function very similar competitively to a node ahead of them, and this is quantitatively true in performance that an Intel ten performed like a TSMC 7-ish and that 7 will perform like 5 and et cetera until Intel catches up, which again, I make this point only to say, is that a, is that a mechanism of the process or the design? So let's just take a step back and say it's the design. What intrigues me about this for Huawei is that means that they've got some pretty good designers, right? They designed a chip that ran pretty efficient and was fairly competitive even as a node, node behind with the node in, in in front of it. Which then opens up a whole series of doors to, well, well, what if, right, Huawei had access to, I'm not saying that they could or should, but but I'm just, you know, game theorying here. If they had access to TSMC or another, another leading edge foundry, 
they might make a fairly compelling chip, right? From a competitive standpoint of, uh, of products. Um, if it's the process, then SMIC, should they ever figure out whether get EUV or go a different path than EV and figure out how to get to five, four, and three, that's super interesting. But then the question I lob, lob to you then is the, the point that you hit on from Dylan, which is what I've, I've constantly thought about in semiconductor circles from a supply chain standpoint is, you know, everybody's the, the global technology NATO of, you know, the United States and whatever is trying to keep China from advancing their own silicon efforts. And I feel like whether or not those sanctions existed, China was going to do this anyway. Like, what was the what was the reason for them to not say, I don't want to be behoovent on 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 you know ASML and applied materials and LAM and, all that, and, and and NVIDIA? Like they they were always vested to do this. So so I just, you know, in all hypothesis, lob the question of even if there were no sanctions, yes, they could create competing products. Wouldn't they have tried to do this anyway? So I, I think I think people tend to I think you're conflating China and Chinese companies. Right? China, the Chinese government seems to be intent on becoming largely autonomous in its supply mm -hmm. or autarkic in its supply, right? Independence. But as an individual Chinese company, they just want the like they're right. operating commercially. They want good products right. at good prices. And so I don't think Huawei would have gone down this path if they, uh, I, I don't think most Chinese companies would go down this path. And we see that in the EV space where TI, NXP, ST Micro are all doing incredible business selling into Chinese EVs, even though the EV CEOs are all talking about domestic sourcing, they're still going to buy a lot of TI product because it's the best for the price. Mm -hmm. Huawei is a little bit different. It's always been a little bit more of a flag waver, a little bit more patriotic. Um, right. We we won't get into why that is, but well, I mean high silicon is there. So well, but I yeah. So we we won't we won't talk about potential alleged ties to the PLA, but um, even still, they're they're going to want to get the. I mean, they're, they're going to want to get the best pro components, best suppliers for their products. Like I've negotiated with them too, and they're they're much nicer than Apple actually, but still pretty tough. So I think. I think they they they're they are you know making necessity the mother of invention here because they had to they wouldn't have done this otherwise because there's also another layer to this which is SMIC's yields right there's a lot of all kinds of crazy speculation about what SMIC's yields are for this it's it's clearly not ninety percent wherever they want it to be it's uh, not it's good. not ten percent it's right. it's someplace in the middle right. what what I've what I've heard is they actually taped out this chip or at least they taped out the process in 2022. And at the start, they were getting 15% yields, 1.5. But we're now at the at the point where they're at, at least at 50% mm -hmm. yields. Yeah, I would agree um, with that, yeah. Right, and that, I've heard that number a few times in, from the Chinese press, 50% at least, which is, is not great, but is also kind of not so far off where you would expect a new chip to be at this, you know, in the early stages. It's, it's low, but it's not catastrophic. And... I think there's reasonable assumption that they can get that up, but uh, it also looks pretty likely that someone somewhere is subsidizing 
mix uh, losses on this because 50% yield is pretty expensive hit to gross margin. I think the other thing that's going on is we, we always tend to think of fabulous companies and foundries as sort of arm's length. But in, in reality, especially at these really advanced nodes, the two engineering teams work very closely together. They go back and forth, propose design changes back and forth. And we know that since Huawei got cut off from TSMC, they've invested heavily and hired a lot of people who are experts in semiconductors. So I think Huawei, which gets all kinds of direct and indirect subsidies from the Chinese government, did a lot of the lifting to make this work for SMIC. Uh, and I think that's an important part of all this is mm-hmm. the amount of work mm-hmm. that they had to do to, to go into this. So a- absolutely, it's you know it's not surprising that Huawei has a really good design. They were really good at this before. And I think they've added to their manufacturing engineering capabilities um right so i i just you know they get they get credit it's a it's an impressive engineering achievement i just yeah i yeah. think it took a lot to get here and i don't know how much longer they can keep it up for so that 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 i think again is the, the i guess the point i was getting at right i totally agree if you're a chinese hyperscaler if you're huawei if you're xiaomi apo you want the best you want the best product um i think w- what i'm poking at is even if they had access, you know, to NVIDIA GPUs, full access to NVIDIA, to, to Intel, I mean, they, they sort of do for, for their products, but let's just say they had, they had full access. I still feel like it, 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 it was just delaying the inevitable because China would still be investing whatever it was they said they're going to invest last year, a hundred billion something plus in semiconductor ecosystem, including education. It might just take them longer to pull it off. But they definitely want to be an island, and semiconductors is one of those areas that they want to be as tightly integrated as possible. That it's just a matter of time they do it anyway. I, I don't think they want to be an island, right? Because there, there's another step there. They 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 want to export all their stuff, right? That's what they really want. They want to export all their stuff. So you can't be an island if your sort of economy is built on exporting all your surplus capacity to the rest of the world. It's true in smartphones and EVs and batteries and solar panels. Uh, so I, I don't think they want to be an island. I think they they have their own set of national security concerns. Right, exactly. To find their own way. But again, that's the, that's the government. The government has those concerns. I don't think anybody really knows how far, how deep Xi Jinping wants to push this. Because yeah. they've tried autarky before. It didn't go over so well. So I don't think they really want to be totally independent. They they want to not be reliant on choke points strategically. Right, right. And and so uh, it, I don't think they viewed TSMC necessarily as as that choke point until they were forced to. Right. Um, and, I, and I'm not blaming either side. I don't want to point, make the U.S. government sound like the aggressor here. Don't. But like... I, I don't think they would have gone down this path if they hadn't had to. Um, but I, I will say there's there's a couple other things I think are worth pointing out here about the phone. As impressive as the chip is, the the benchmarks I've seen, the first wave of benchmarks all look very competitive. I've seen other benchmarks since that are a little bit more not so good. Um, and then there's this there's this big thing they talk about how they have this innovative cooling system for the phone, right? They have basically, I think it's a liquid, it's a, it's like, it's a graphene coolant cooling panel, which, which is 
interesting. Like they've they've made a big point about it because it is a novel design. It's pretty interesting engineering work that went into it. But they had to add it for a reason. I don't think they would have just thrown it in mm-hmm. just because. They had mm-hmm. to add a cooling element to the phone because the phone's overheating. That's my yeah, suspicion. I don't know I'd this, agree. but strong suspicion this yeah. phone overheats, uh, which is a, a problem with 5G in general, but it's also a sign of an immature semiconductor mm-hmm. solution. Process. Yeah. Right? And so I, I think I think we're going to start to see that this some of the shine is going to come off this as it enters as the phone enters real world usage yeah i I would agree with that assessment that that would be consistent with what we've seen um in fact i would imagine that this apple iphone 15 with the a17 pro even in its nice heat diffusing titanium casing will probably get warm Oh, yeah. in uh in its in its process so no th- those are all good points you know i and i i'm not worried at all about this competitively like i don't think china's gonna anywhere in the near for, or huawei with this chip gonna all of a sudden be competitive with with the high end i know qualcomm's not worried i don't think they have any reason to be worried at the moment i'm just intrigued about how how the investments will continue to take place to solve some of these challenges and you know, again, coming back to the question of, you know, if the sanctions were not there, how much would really be different, right? And to, to me, it's a question of, would they, if you gave them everything, would they still even be able to compete? Like you said, would Huawei sell a chip elsewhere to other people that people care about? I, you know, it, it's a good question. It's all hypothesis, but um, well, I, it's, I think it's the, interesting game theory. I mean, I was going to say, the, the I think the other... The next interesting thing that we have to find out about is what comes next from high silicon, right? They yeah. can do a modem. That's a pretty complicated chip. We know yeah. that they had CPUs and AI accelerators. Are those coming next? Are they going to start selling, right. you know, compute data center, cloud compute products on this right. SMIC N plus two process? And uh, well, that, that's, that's going to be telling, right? Because there, I mean, you're a little bit off on a benchmark on a mobile phone. Consumers don't really notice that they're going to buy for the brand and other reasons, but the data center people will know. So that'll be the big one is Alibaba starts signs up to buy a, you know, a million, whatever, whatever their chip is called. Well, and to, and to a degree, right. Exactly. Like you hit, you, you said is that, you know, if, if this seven nanometer process, you know, matures and becomes legitimate, there's a lot of these things, like you said, AI accelerators, right? You've got a couple of very big risk five licensing companies there that designers could go and make uh, data center parts, auto parts, right? They, they'll have a foundry that, that, that does it um, if, if it matures. You know, I think it's, it's still the question, right? How far can they get past seven nanometer? How long does that take? Those are relevant things. But, you know, having their own foundry with a quality seven nanometer process gets them gets them a lot of stuff they didn't have before in terms of being able to make products there for their ecosystem. So I agree. Right. That'll be an interesting to watch. That's right. Are, are, are all these other Chinese compute companies lining up at SMIC store right now? Right. Um, you know, it's B-Rin there. B-Rin's on the energy list. It, you know, uh, we, we forget SMIC is a public company. So they're going to report in not until probably November, I think is their next earnings call. I, I might tune into that. Um, it's I've I haven't listed in years because it's usually really dry, but this will be pretty interesting to see if they talk about a line of new customers who are all signing up for N plus two. That'll be that'll be important. That'll be important sign. Yep. 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 
All right. Well, that was our semiconductor hash for today. Uh, hopefully, uh, everybody enjoyed that. And if you liked that and want to see us do other hashes in the future of news bits, you know, let us know. Give us feedback. Like, subscribe. Uh, give us a good review. All those wonderful things. Uh, we appreciate your time as always listening to us uh, pontificate. Peace out, people. Tell your friends. Thank you for listening.